before the Lord went to the cross to be crucified in our stead. He left off with this consolation in John chapter 16, verse 33. He said, in the world, you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. He knew that he was about to die and leave his special people on the earth without him. But the amazing thing is, he encouraged them not to worry. And as the old people used to say, don't let the world get you down. Even though in the world you should have tribulations, trouble on every side. Be of good cheer. Be happy. For I have overcome the world. That's an amazing statement because the Apostle Paul kind of follows up on that statement. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16, where he talked about him and the other apostles and prophets and uh, the preachers who would bring the gospel to the world of his day and be persecuted. Uh, some would be beaten with whips. He was beaten three times with whips. 39 stripes each time. And he would be stoned to death on one occasion. Stoned, graveyard dead. And the Lord raised him back up. But in light of all of these trials and tribulations. He said in Second Corinthians chapter 4 verse 16 these things that we're going through may cause suffering but they bring honor to God because we are preaching the gospel of salvation and people are becoming saved from God's wrath by way of this gospel. Even though we are being persecuted, we're being tried, and we're suffering. We don't give up. Verse 16 says, for this cause, we faint not. We don't give up. And I understand that because it's not the first time it was said to us in the Bible. Isaiah chapter 40, 
for instance. Talks about youth uh, fainting and giving up, becoming tired and weary and losing heart over trials. But concerning those who trust the Lord, he would say in Isaiah 40, 31, that those who trust in the Lord shall mount up with wings as eagles that shall run and not be weary. Walk and not faint. Because we have a God who is able to keep us from falling. So, though our outward man is perishing, we faint not. Even though they're beating us, we're shipwrecked, without food, clothing, and water. And even death. We faint not. Because though our outward man is perishing, our inward man is renewed day by day. You cannot, you will not harm the inner man. Because he's God. He's Christ. The inner man has been conformed to the image of God's Son. And you can't hurt him. That's why Christ would say to us, don't fear him who can kill the body. And when he's done that, that's all he can do. Just kill the shell. <clears throat> it's dead anyway. Don't fear, don't fear him. But fear him who can kill the body and destroy both body and soul in hell. In the meantime, as, as Christian, be of good cheer. And he's saying, no, no matter what you're going through, be happy. Because it's only a tem temporary affliction. And, and I love how Paul talks about, you know, temptations that we go through around here. And First uh, Corinthians ten thirteen, we might be tried by mankind, but there's a God who controls the actions of mankind. So he said in First Corinthians chapter. 10 verse 13, there is no temptation 
but such as is common to man. In other words, everybody goes through something. It's common. It's a common thing worldwide. The COVID-19 doesn't just happen to the unsaved world. It affects Christians also. Everybody goes through it. There's no temptation, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful. He can be trusted. He said in Paul's letter to Timothy, when we're faithless, God remains faithful because he cannot deny himself. His nature, he's by nature faithful, and if he became unfaithful, he would deny God, his own being. And he can't do that. It's impossible for God to be faithless, even when we are without faith. God remains faithful. We can trust him. That's what, that's what faithfulness is. It's trustworthiness. God can be trusted. We can put our confidence in him. We can, we can depend on nobody else, David said. Do my mother and my father forsake me? The Lord will never forsake me. We can always depend on him and rely on our Heavenly Father, God. There's no temptation, but such as is coming to man, but God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able. In other words, old folks used to say, God will lay no more on you than what you can bear. Because he's faithful and will not allow you to be tempted above that which you are able. But watch this, y'all. But with the temptation, make a way of escape that you may be able to bear up under it. There are several cases in the point in uh, cases in point in the Bible. Joseph was warned. He was put in a position of strong temptation inside Potiphar's house, alone with Potiphar's wife. And she liked Joseph. And she liked him a lot before she tempted him and he ran away. After he ran away, she didn't like him so much. But he ran away because he trusted God. He wanted to please God, and he certainly did not want to dishonor his, his master, Potiphar, by sleeping with his wife. He left this hope, he left his coat, but he got his hat. And he left in a state of innocence. God gave him a way of escape, and that way of escape was to run. We're told to do the same thing in the New Testament. It's amazing. He tells us to, to resist the devil steadfastly in the faith. That means to trust in God, trust in God's word, and show that trust by being doers of the word and not hearers only. That's resisting the devil. It's not 
uh, rebuking him. It's not binding him. It's walking in the spirit. It's, it's having the word of God dwelling in you richly with all wisdom. It's like David. Uh, it's by hiding the word of God in your heart that you might not sin against him. But we're told to, 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 to simply resist the devil and he'll flee from us. Isn't that amazing? Resist the devil and he will flee from us. It was the same way with Job. Uh, Satan could not attack Job and he knew that because Job was a man of faith. God said that. God said in Job chapter one, some people, some folk would would fight against this because God God called Job a perfect man. And we always say, well, you know, I'm not perfect. No one's perfect but God. But God said there was a man in the land of us whose name was Job, and this man was perfect and upright, who feared God and hated evil. That's Job chapter one. And God knew that Satan was a cruel taskmaster and had been attacking had been attacking humankind since the garden. One day when Satan was going before God to make his report seem like God demand a report, even from the demons, even from Satan himself. So the Lord asked him, Satan, where you, you been? And what have you been doing? Satan knew he couldn't lie. So he said, he said, I've been walking to and fro, up and down in the earth, seeking whom I made a vow. He couldn't lie because God was watching him. That's why we're told to beware of the devil who walks about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. But one man whom he avoided was the righteous man named Job. So the Lord asked him, since you've been walking to and fro up and down in the earth, have you considered my servant Job? You know what Satan said? He said, I, I, I can't touch Job. You, you, you have a fence around Job. You have a, a wall around Job, and I can't touch him. You know, you, do you know what that wall was? Faith. It was a shield of faith that God had given to Job. Job trusted God. And for that reason, Satan could not penetrate that defense. So we're told to resist the devil steadfastly in the faith, and he'll flee from us. But 
when the temptation of sex comes, we're not told to resist. You know why? You can't do it. In the heat of passion, you can't do it. We're told not to resist sex, not to resist fornication, but to do what Joseph did. Get your hat, flee, run from fornication. Resist the, death, the devil steadfastly in the faith, but flee fornication. Isn't it amazing that sex is stronger than the devil? You, you know, we always want to fight the devil, but there's something that's also against us, the flesh. And I'm not talking about, the, about this, this meat on the bone. I'm talking about that sin principle that we got from Adam, when Adam sinned. That sin nature that Adam passed down to us. That's what caused us to sin, if we allow it. Now, now the way to resist, uh, the way to, to flee fornication is to get your hat like Job, like uh, like Joseph did. Num number one, if you can help it, don't put yourselves, yourselves in those positions of compromise. Girls, stop hanging out. <laughs> you know what they want. Don't do it. Be wise. Be careful. And most of all, don't be yourself. Be Christ-like. So, Back to Second Corinthians chapter four. For this cause we faint not, though our outward man is perishing, our inward man is renewed day by day. We can never lose Low battery. the Low inside battery. of these temples. These temples are designed for eternity. So what God had made us into can never be extinguished. Extinguished. It remains the same forever. We'll always be in him and he'll always be in us. And because of that reason, Paul could say in Second Corinthians chapter 4 verse 17. For our light afflictions, which are but for a moment, are achieving for us an exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Somebody needs to hold, hold on to me now. I'm just about to get up and start dancing. For our light afflictions, which are but for a moment, even if cancer lasts for 50 years, it's, it's light, and it's just for a moment of time. It, it's, it's nothing compared to an eternal 
day of heavenly bliss where there'll be no sickness. No, where there'll be no pain. If a Christian is experiencing paralysis from the neck down to the feet, it's a, it's a lot of affliction. Because it's only temporary. And Paul was saying in Romans chapter 8, our present sufferings cannot be compared to the glory that will be revealed in us. Now he already said in, in Romans chapter 8, verse 17 and following, that if we're sons of God, if we're his children, then we're heirs of God. What kind of uh, glory is that? What kind of alien, alien love is that? Right now, he said we are heirs of God. Whatever God owns, we own, as the little kids say, right now. And 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 join us with Jesus Christ. So whatever the Godhead owns, we own it too. Our present sufferings are not worthy to, to be compared to the glory that will be revealed in us when we are able to enjoy that which God has made us heirs of. Oh, for our light afflictions, which are but for a moment compared to eternity, and are achieving for us these these sufferings, these trials are achieving for us an exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Some of you will be walking around heaven in an eternal day where there's no night carrying around an exceeding an eternal weight of glory, an immeasurable, countless amount, weight of glory, and you won't be stumbling. You won't be stumbling because God will give you the power, the strength to stand up under all of that glory. Isn't that amazing? Paul just said, uh, "Our present suffering cannot are not worthy, worthy to be compared to the glory that will be revealed in us." I can't wait. I can't wait to go there. I can't wait to be to, to be loaded down with glory. So we look not to that which you're seeing. Our troubles, our hurts and our pains, our failures, our heartaches, 
our broken bodies, our broken relationships. Talk to a young man today. His heart is broken over a broken marriage. And it's a rare that I see a man heart broken. I often see women whose hearts are torn apart by a broken relationship, broken marriage. But men normally get over it. I had a brother-in-law. He's deceased now. But he used to tell me, he's a person. The best way to get over a woman is to get you another one. That's true for some some men. But for, but for some men who love their wives, who truly love their wives, it's not so easy. I think one of the biggest problems is we sometimes really don't know what love is. I'm talking about that God-type love. I mean, can we give a definition of love and it be correct? Now, I'm talking about the, the kind of love that that's unearned, unmerited. This kind of love, this kind of love in First John chapter three, verse one, where John John the apostle said, and you know John is the apostle whom Jesus loved. The Bible says, he said, "What kind, what manner of love is this?" that we should be called the children of God. Now, what he's saying is this. What alien love is this? This love, this kind of love cannot be found in this world. What kind of out of this world love is this that we should be called the children of God? We don't deserve it. We didn't come into childhood uh, by natural birth because God doesn't have children that way. Paul said the way God has children is through adoption. For God has not given us a spirit of, of bondage to fear again. Romans chapter 8, verse 14 and following. God has not given us, given us the spirit of bondage to fear again. The law. He hadn't, he hadn't given us that. Because if you can't keep the law, you're in trouble. Romans chapter 4, four verse, 15, verse 14, verse 15. Romans 4, 15, Paul says that the law worketh wrath. But God has not given us the spirit of bondage to fear again. And the, the, the law wreaks bondage. But he had given us the spirit of sonship. The spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father, Daddy, Daddy. What manner of love is this that the Father had bestowed upon us? And we, we, we experience that love now. Right now, today, we're his children. 
but we still go through things in this world because it's a fallen world. When Adam sinned, this world fell into disarray, corruption. That's why we have the pestilences, corona, uh, COVID-19, flu, earthquakes, floods. Before Adam and Eve sinned, there was never such a thing. Adam and Eve were, were perfect. They never had to bathe because there was no decay. They never had to brush their teeth. Adam and Eve never had to comb their hair. Everything was perfect. There was never any dirt between their toes. There was no need for certain things. You know, when COVID-19 hit, everybody ran to the stores and bought all the Charmin and paper towels. What happened to Eve? Did not need that. They didn't need Charmin or paper towels because I believe that everything was naturally generated. I don't think that there was ever any toilets needed. Because there was no decay. What they, what they ate never decayed. The only reason we need toilets now because the food decays in the body. Not so in the garden. But when they sinned, we lost all of that. And then God cursed it. Everything is cursed. Even the animals are cursed. They even die. If Adam and Eve had, had not sinned, Animals would never die. Nobody would, nobody, and nothing would ever die. And and the animals would be at peace with animals. And man would be at peace with man. And man and animal would, would be at peace with one another. It's going to happen again one day. But in the meantime, we look not to that which is seen, but to that which is unseen. The thing that we hope for. We cannot see them. I cannot see into eternity. I cannot see what a day will be like in glory. One songwriter wrote a song called I Can Only Imagine. Oh, I remember a friend of mine, Pastor Ernest Small, who was a great keyboardist, and he sang that song at our church one, one Sunday. I can only Imagine. So, so we, we look not to that which is seen, but to that which is unseen. But for that which is seen, it's temporary. I don't care if it's good or bad. It's temporary. If it's, if it's of this world, it is temporary. That's why we're told, love not the world. Neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Love not the world. For the, for the world and the lust thereof shall pass away. But the man who does the will of the Father endures forever. So it says, look not that which is seen. 
it's going to pass away. But look to those things which are unseen. For that which is seen is temporary. That which is unseen is eternal. There's a, another verse in that's the, now that was verse 18 of Second Corinthians chapter 4. But it, that chapter ends at verse 18. But that's only in the English text of the Bible. I, I believe in the, in the original manuscript that uh, that chapter continued on in, into chapter 5. Because back in those days, they, they didn't have chapters and verses. So, so I think that the translator of this uh, book cut off chapter 4 too quick. Because Paul said in chapter 5, verse 1, and we know. And I love that phrase because there's something that Christians can know that no one else does. Now, I know I want to get distracted for a minute, but I need, to, I need to hit on this. I need to hit on this. And we know. There's another time in Scripture where we see this. I mean, there's more than one, but there's one that everybody quotes all the time. In Romans chapter 8, verse 28. And we know that all things work together for the good to, the, to them that love the Lord and are the call according to his purpose. We know that. And, and we know what God's purpose for, for us is. We see that in verse 29. But, but we we know this. We don't have to go around seeking God's purpose for us. We know it. Every Christian knows God's purpose. Look, look at verse 29, eight, Romans 8, 29. For those whom God did for know, not just their name and their addresses, he intimately knew his people. Paul would say, God knows them that are his. Christ would say, I know my sheep, and I give to them eternal life. So, so in, in eternity's past, God knew us. And in doing so, he predestined us to be, to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. That's why, that's why we'll call the children of God in 1 John chapter 3 and, and else places. So God's purpose for us is to become formed, to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. We're now his children. God's purpose for us is to become his children. And he's done it. He did it. He adopted us, he adopted us into his family by conforming us to his own son's image. If a man be in Christ, he is a new creature. For that reason, we look just like him. I, I just want you to know that we can know some things. Second Corinthians 5 1 says, And we know if our earthly tabernacle of this house were dissolved, we have a building with God. 
we have a house of God, a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Once we have put off this tabernacle and put on our new glorified body, we will be in that glorified body with Jesus Christ for eternity. We love a body just like his. We know that to be true because what we just read in first first John chapter three tells us that. John said we don't we don't know what we'll be like. But when we see him, we'll be just like him, for we'll see him as he is. Absolutely amazing. And Philippians chapter 3, verse 20 and 21 say that when Christ returns for his church, when he returns for his bride, he'll change our lowly bodies, our vile bodies, to be just like his glorious body. We'll look, we'll, look, we'll look like him. <clears throat> Our bodies will be just like his eternal glorified body. A body that will be able to leave this earth and ascend into heaven the same way Christ did in Acts chapter 1. He could have done that in that natural body that was born of the Virgin Mary. That that natural body that died on the cross, that natural body that was placed in the grave. When he left the grave, he put on a glorified body, the same body, but changed. We'll have that same type of body. Now, some folks want to know what kind of body is that. Well, it's not flesh and blood. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. When you look at First Corinthians chapter 15, the resurrection chapter, Paul tells us what kind of body it is. He said in verse 42 of First Corinthians 15, the body is sown in corruption, a dirt body, a decaying body. It is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor. Sin. It is raised in glory without sin. Without the capacity and ability to sin. It is sown in weakness. Y'all got to help me. Y'all got to hold me down. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. Power over sin. Power over death power over this natural world. We'll be able to, to ascend from this natural world into glory, into heaven and return when we feel like it. When we Not when we feel like it, but when we want to. We have that power. It is also shown a natural body. A body that can, that can get sick. A body that can, that can feel hurt and pain. A body that can die, but it'll be raised, a spiritual body. A body that won't get sick, can't get sick, 
but they cannot feel pain. A body that cannot die. A body that will put off the earthly and put on the heavenly. Talking about Jesus Christ. For flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. But I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. We shall not all die. But we shall all be changed. In a moment. In a twinkling of an eye. And the dead shall be raised incorruptible. When Christ returns at the resurrection, those of us who have died in the body, he'll raise those bodies up incorruptible, and those bodies will meet uh, their spirit in the air, which Christ will bring back from heaven with them. And those spirits and bodies will be reunited in the air at the resurrection. Right now, the dead, the dead souls are in heaven. The dead spirits and souls are in heaven, and the dead bodies are in the grave or wherever they are. Some of them may be even turned to dirt. But he knows where they are, and he'll raise them up. And those bodies will be, will be raised up, spiritual bodies, and they'll be, they'll be reunited with their spirits and souls in the air. And then, in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, we who are still alive shall be changed in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye. That's why we don't have to worry about this world system, this present evil age, because one day he'll come back and remove us from it and burn this world system up and will inhabit this earth, heaven, and all creation in eternal glorified bodies. In the world, you should have tribulation. Jesus said, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And he showed how he did overcome the world over 2,000 years ago on the cross. He satisfied the wrath of God on the cross. He paid the penalty for, sin, penalty for sins. He was put on the grave for three days and was raised the third day, showing his power over sin, Satan, and death, showing that he is God in human flesh. That's why Christians celebrate Resurrection Sunday, such, such as was today. Resurrection Sunday, the day that he rose from the dead. The reason that Christians worship on a Sunday is because Sunday is the first day of the week and our Lord and Savior rose from the dead on the first day. That's reason number one why we worship on a Sunday. Reason number two is because the, the church was born, was given birth on Pentecost Sunday in Acts chapter 2. That's why, we, that's why we worship on a Sunday. Two reasons. Number three is the early church worshiped on the first day of the week. That's why we do it. Not because we're commanded to do so. 
Well, because we want to. We want to honor our Lord and Savior. Because he's God. And he's done mighty things. This has been Percy Garrett on Bible Talk in Alabama. This is Bible Talk Alabama. And I want to thank you all for being with me tonight. Getting kind of late, but you know what? It's never late in heaven. God is always working. So it doesn't bother me to be up a little late doing his will. And especially if I can edify you, his people. I really want to thank you for being here tonight on Anchor Podcast. It's my hope that you have been built up in the most holy faith. And that you look forward to the next podcast. We're going to carry on with nothing but the gospel. For God has called me to do just that. I have no other goal in life but to preach the gospel. I'm like the Apostle Paul. Woe is me if I preach not the gospel. The love of Christ. The love of Christ constrains me to preach the gospel. So here I am, y'all. I'm going to go ahead and close out this podcast. But I want you to know uh, Anchor is available to any of you. You can become an Anchor podcaster for free. It doesn't cost you a thing. So give it a try. Anchor will help you get started. Just download the Anchor app, fill in your information, and you'll be hitting the start button, and you'll be podcasting. All right. Once again, this has been Bible Talk with your host, Percy Garrett, in Dothan, Alabama. Now to him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before his presence, with exceeding joy. To the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, both now and ever. Amen.